the family of God. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Father, we pray today you'd help me to just share the thought you've laid upon our heart. Help us, Lord, I pray to preach in the same power of the Holy Ghost, God, that you would have us to preach, give us unction from on high, clear our minds of anything or any distractions, anything that would detour our heart and our thoughts and our, our souls. I pray you'd let us, let us slide our feet under the table of God one more time. And Lord, help us to realize that you gave us the blessing to be at the table, that we didn't earn it, that we didn't deserve it, but by grace, we're sitting at the table tonight. And I pray you'd feed our soul that our spiritual man, our spiritual woman, our spiritual person, Lord, would be encouraged, would be helped, that we'd find the spiritual nutrition. And Lord, we can't, there is no spiritual Burger King. I know we can't have it our way, Lord. We want it your way. We want it just like you have it. So help us, Lord, to feast on the manna from above and pray you'd preach to me. Help this, this channel, this blessing that I, that I would not hinder it or contaminate it but God, I just deliver what you put in my mailbox to deliver. And we'll thank you for what you do in our hearts and lives. Father, we love you and pray you'd hide us behind the cross in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help us for a little while, I want to preach on this thought found in Romans in chapter number 12. Your body and offering. The Bible says in Romans in chapter number 12, it's talking to believers, it's talking to saints. He's talking to that church that has God has birthed in that oppressive area. And, and they are called, the book is called the book of Romans. I mean, God has birthed this church in a time of persecution and a time of oppression. In, in the church that we live in today, 2023, our doctrine is based on what we find in Paul's epistles specifically what we find in the truth of the book of Romans. Everything we believe, all that we know can be wrapped up in the book of Romans. And when we get to chapter number 12, we've already been through chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We've seen those different things in chapter number 11. But when we get to verse number 12, he's talking to specific, he's talking to saints, he's talking to believers, he's talking to folks who've been born of the Spirit. And notice what Paul, Paul is stressing something special that needs to be sacrificed and Paul is seeking something spectacular to happen in our life. So he's seeking you to offer what is special to God so that you can experience what is spectacular from God. Notice there's four steps, there's four steps. I'll share with you this on my heart and we'll let you go the house. When I look at this text in chapter number 12, verse 1 and 2, my mind goes back to every Old Testament sacrifice that's ever been offered. Every Old Testament sacrifice had certain steps that had to take place before the sacrifice was accepted from God. It's that way when we offer our body a living sacrifice. We have at least four steps that has to take place before it is accepted before God. 
before we prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Notice with me, the Bible says, by the mercies of God. Number one, the four steps for the offering of ourselves to God. The first one, number one, there has to be a motivation. And it says, by the mercies of God. That should be, Brother Scott, our motivation. In fact, I looked over here. I, I looked over here in the book of Ephesians. And uh, what, I love the book of Ephesians. Anybody here like the book of Ephesians? I, I, I get over there to the book of Ephesians. And in chapter number two, it says, uh, But ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Then it talked about us walking according to the course of the world, of course, the prince of power of the air, uh, the children to disobedient. We were driven by our own lust. But it, then it says, By the mercies of God. God saved us by the mercy of God. There had to be a motivation. In other words, the Old Testament offerer brought the sacrifice. They brought it because of the mercy of God. They had broke the law of God, and it was by mercy they could get that thing right. It is by the mercy of God that we've even been saved. It is by the mercy of God that we are brethren, that we're in the family of God. It is by the, it ought to be the mercy of God that motivates us to give our body a living sacrifice to God. Just experiencing the mercy of God should motivate us to worship from our hearts. Oh, thank God for the opportunity to get to worship. The mercies of God should move us to present a worship that is worthy for the hearing of God. We should worship God from our hearts. But the mercies of God should, should produce not just the worship from our hearts, it should produce a work with our hands. I love reading about them Benjamites in the Old Testament. I mean, they, they, could, they could war with the right hand as well as the left hand. You could say it like this, they got in the fight with both hands. When Jesus went after us, he went after us with both hands. If we're gonna do something for God, we ought to do it with both hands. Don't be a half-hearted soldier, Amen. The mercies of God. Paul said, by the mercy, because of the mercy, due to the mercy, longing for mercy, we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Preacher, I'm shouting on the inside. You have right. He said, present, you're supposed to worship in body and in spirit. God wants us to worship him, amen, from our hearts, but worship Work with him with our hands. God help us to work with the Lord with our hands. Our hands are to be instruments. We're to yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Amen. God help us. The mercies of God should move our heart to worship. The mercies of God should move our hands to work. But the mercies of God should move our heads to witness. Our mind should be on witnesses. Our voice should be on witness. Our mouth should be on witness. Amen. And whether you want it to or not, your mouth is a witness, good or bad. Somebody say amen. Yeah, man, you're either ministering good things to the hearers and thereby ministering grace or you're ministering bad things. It's going to cause people to trip up. God help us. The mercies of God should move our minds to be a witness, our hands to get to work for God, our hearts to go to worship God. He, Paul said, he starts it out and said, I beseech you, I'm begging you. I'm begging you therefore because you've experienced mercy, because you've been washed in the blood, 
God, because you've been born again, because you're a part of the family of God, that by the mercy of God, because of mercy, looking for mercy, desire mercy, through mercy, it's through mercy God would even want our heart to worship. It's through mercy God would even want our hands to work. It's through mercy that God would even let our mind, amen, be a witness for God. But by mercies, therefore, an adverb of condition, because he has done something mighty in your life, the, the condition, the automatic result, he's the cause, the effect is that we are to work with our hands, witness with our mind, and worship with our hearts. But number two, in an Old Testament offering, in that Old Testament economy, there had to be a motivation. In other words, there, there had to be a desire, and, and it was to get right with God, and there had to be a desire to offer the sacrifice. But there had to be a presentation. In other words, the presentation, if I could say it like this, is a moment and a measure of our surrender. And so we, there had to be a time when the offering was presented to the priest. There had to be a time when the offering was presented. And, and you got to think about this. This had to be a domesticated animal. This had to be an animal without any outward flaw representing the purity of Christ. This had to be an animal without any inward flaw. This had to be an animal that was the prime of the prime. This had to be the animal that, that was prized in their flock. And, and then they would bring it up as a free will offering to God. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, there, there should be, the mercy of God should be the motivation that you Present that presentation is that you offer yourself to God. I can't make Jay present his body a living sacrifice. Mom and daddy can't try to manipulate their children to present their body a living. It's got to be a personal decision that you present, you make a present to the mercy of God and present your body a living sacrifice. There had to be a presenting, there had, had to be a free will offering. But then number three, there had to be an examination. The Old Testament, I've already said it, but notice what he said. By the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You're wanting to do it holy. You're wanting to do it acceptable to God. And you're wanting, you're wanting to present your body holy. So there had to be an examination. I've already said it, but let me say this. As the priest went over it, as the priest checked it for spots, as the priest checked it for blemishes, we can't come down here and say, body, I uh, Lord, I want to present my body a sacrifice and I'm going to keep living unholy and keep doing what I want to know. There had to be a presentation. There had to be a motivation. But we got to know when we get there, there's going to be an examination. I'll never forget, everybody's in the military in here. We, we get everything ready and then the drill sergeant would come in on, on basic training and man, we'd have, we'd have our shoes shined on the top and on the bottom. We'd have our bed so tight, the corners, put in them hospital corners. And man, you, and, and you could literally bounce a quarter off of the bed. You'd have to have your shoes in the right place. Your, your underwear had to be tightly rolled into a little, and in, in in the army had to be tightly rolled. Matter of fact, we had to use three by five uh, little index cards just to make sure there wasn't no crease. Had to roll our socks a certain way. Had to make sure it looked like a little uh, O when it was right. Everything had to be presented. You couldn't see the middle and the bottom of the drawer, but that wasn't all. There was a presentation of the room. I, they couldn't gig us on anything. We start, kept getting 99s and 100s. 
hundred. So then they found dust in the fire alarm. Took the bottom off, found dust around the nine volt battery. I mean, brother, there, there is a thorough examination to make sure you pass the test. One day we're going to stand before God. He's, he's the real inspector. Yeah, man. And you can fake a lot of people out. People put on this holy facade that they've got everything. I don't know about y'all. I just want to go ahead and make an honest confession. I don't have it all together, but I know who does. Amen. And, and, I, and I want him to examine me. I want to present my body. I want him to do an examination. God, get out of my life what don't need to be there. That brings us to our next one. That offering when it was presented, that offering when it was, uh, when it was examined, that offering when it was first brought had the motivation of that man to bring it. Here's what had to happen. There had to be a transformation. The transformation is where the process begins and it's what it starts when the, when the person presents it, but then it changes after it's been presented. In other words, there's a transformation that takes place when that sacrifice is put on that altar, it no longer looks like what it used to look like. The fire consumed it. The fire would burn out anything that was not pure. The, the evidence that the sacrifice was accepted, the evidence that the sacrifice had passed the examination is that God had consumed it with fire. The first fire in the tabernacle when those sacrifices first started to be offered by Scott, it was kindled by fire from heaven and Moses was told to take them priests and put that fire in that brazen on. They were told to keep the fire burning all the time. They were, were always to keep the fire burning. And so God had kindled that fire. That's a picturesque of what he did in our heart. When God saved us and the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost lives on the inside, there's a fire that man didn't kindle. It, amen. God put it there, the presence of the Holy Ghost. And, and when we present our bodies a living a sacrifice, the evidence that it's been accepted is the transformation that the fire of the Holy Ghost presents to everybody out in the world. The evidence is that we prove. Who are we proving it to? We're not proving it to God. He already knows what's good. He already knows what's acceptable. He already knows what is his perfect will. We're proving it to the world what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can say it like this. We are those who are standing in the gap. Good, acceptable, perfect will of God. It is up to us when we present our bodies a living sacrifice that God puts the fire of the Holy Ghost in our life when we start, when we make that commitment, when we confess and call on him to be saved, Oswald Chamber put it like this. It started with a response from the sinner who was under conviction and he called on Jesus and when he repented and got saved and then it began to work an unconscious way as the Holy Ghost began to purify his life. What God had worked in that man would be seen on the outside of that man. You can't see my heart but you can see the evidence of of God change, changing my heart by what's been produced in my life. I'm not the man I used to be. Amen. That's why the harlot can become the choir singer and the drug dealer can become the preacher. Amen. And the drunker can become a deacon. It's because when God saves them and when God accepts that life, he transforms that life and it's evidenced by it's not what it used to be. It no longer looks the same. Now, here, here, here's, here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. And the best way I, I, could, I could think about this, see, the fire pures what was corrupt. 
the fire transformed it. It doesn't look the same as when it was presented. It is changed now. The best way I could, I, I could illustrate this in my heart was, was this way. When, when David was caring for the sheep, he was a shepherd under the authority of his father. So his father Jesse had sheep and David was the under-shepherd under direct authority of his father caring for the sheep. He didn't let a lion get it, he fought a lion. He didn't let a bear get the sheep, he fought a bear. The care for the sheep was the responsibility of David. When a man has had experience raised in a family of shepherds, watching over sheep, fault bears, and fault lions, isn't it something that he was able to surrender the authority to a higher shepherd? The evidence that a life has been presented to God, the evidence that it's not only been motivated, it's not already been presented, it's not only been examined, it's been transformed. The evidence of a life, it begins by surrendering the authority of that life to a higher authority. I don't have a right to run my life. You don't have a right to run your life. He has the right to run your life. And as long as you try to run your life, you're going to make a mess. As long as I try to run my life, we're going to make a mess. Paul said, quit trying to do it on your own. You're struggling living for God because you tried to do it on your own. You've, tried, you've watched other people fall out. You've watched other people quit. And it's got you so discouraged, you want to do the same. Well, the problem is we tried to do it ourselves. And that'll bring nothing but defeat. It'll bring nothing but confusion. It'll bring depression. But when you realize I never could get saved. I can't ever act like I'm saved. I can't produce that transformed life. It's when you realize there's a higher authority that's in control now. We could put it like this. I started to make me a sign, getting on a little chain, hanging around my neck, and I was going to say property of Shane Jackson. But then I was going to flip it around, and I was going to put under new management. When God changed our life, I'm under new management. That's why you have somebody living for God seems like they've just got happiness and joy. It's not because they got the eyes dotted and D's crossed. They realize they never could do it. When a man preaches truth, it's not because he's got all the eyes dotted and T's crossed. He, he likes truth being preached even straighter than he's living because he knows it's right. You can't preach it straighter than I like. You might preach it straighter than I live, but I like it just like the Bible says it. And the evidence, amen, that that person, whoever they are, has surrendered their life to God Amen, and, and they seem to have joy, and they seem to have peace, and there's always a pep in their step, and I can't figure out how, how they always got it together. It ain't that they've got it together. The one in charge has it together. They finally realized they never could do it. I, I remember when a man got saved. Oh, I think it was Bob McCurry used to tell the story. Man got saved. He, he come down. He, he's wanting to get saved. He, he tells Brother McCurry. He says this. He said, I would like to get saved, but I love smoking pot. Boy, they would have a hard time now. There's legal in a lot of places. I have a hard time giving up pot. Can I smoke pot when I get saved? He said, sure you can. Smoke all you want to. The man, confused, walked back to his seat, ended up coming and getting saved. He got down there and prayed with him. 
When he got up, tears was rolling down his eyes. He said, funny thing, I don't want to smoke it no more. He said, that's what I'm saying. You can smoke all you want. Are y'all with me? Because he's under new management. What, here's what David realized. You, you can write these down. You can check them out later. I'm not going to have you turn there. But here, here's, what, here's what David found out. David found out, and he became a shepherd like our shepherd. David found out his place. He was dependent upon God. In 1 Samuel 16, 11, David, David displayed dependability. In other words, if you read 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 11, Jesse knew where David was. He knew David was so dependable, he was taking care of the sheep. The evidence that a life has been presented, that a life has been accepted, the life has been transformed, is they are a dependable Christian. David looked like our shepherd because he was dependable. But David was dependable because he was dependent upon God. As long, hey man, are y'all getting what I'm putting down? He was, he, David was dependable. He, Jesse didn't say, well, he's supposed to be the sheep, but they ain't no telling where he's at. He said he's taking care of the sheep. Are y'all with me? When it comes church time, I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be at church. He, he was dependable. David was, was a picture of a transformed life. He was a picture of, the, of a shepherd that realized there's a higher shepherd in, his, in charge. Then uh, not only dependability, but we see David is evident of a transformed life because of, of his availability. In 1 Samuel 16, verse number 19, David was with his sheep, and he, he could be called on to present help in time of trouble. Whenever Goliath come, hey, when, 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 when uh, Jesse needed some cheese to be delivered down there to the boys on the front line, he could depend on David. When David got down there, he not only delivered cheese, hey, man, <laughs> he, he delivered the people of God. Hey, man, David found out how to get ahead. Yeah, y'all ain't getting that. He walked away with Goliath's head. He found out how to get ahead. Are y'all with me? Sometimes I'm working with a hard crowd here tonight. That's funny if I said it. Hey, man, David learned how to get ahead. Are y'all listening to this preacher? He was dependable, Brother Scott. It was, he, was, he was a picture of a transformed life. He wasn't arrogant. Well, I've fought lions and I've fought bears. He wasn't saying, well, I know all there is to being about a shepherd. No, he was trusting in the great shepherd. He was dependent upon him, and he, therefore he was dependable. He knew God was available, so he was going to be available. Not only that, he had hospitality. If you looked in 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 15, David was feeding the sheep. He was supplying their need. You could depend on David to meet your need. He, was, he had provision. He was, had hospitality. In 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 20, you find David responsible. David did not leave. When, when it come time to leave, he left the sheep into the capable hands of another shepherd. When, when the Lord ascended and went back to heaven, you know what he told us? He wasn't going to leave us comfortless. He wasn't going to leave us like orphans. He was going to send another comforter. Ain't you glad the Holy Ghost never leaves us nor forsakes us? Amen. He's, he's responsible. He's dependable. He's hospitable. But then when you look at David, he's predictable. He's pers persistent. It doesn't matter what happens. David did not just leave the sheep to fend for themselves. He, he had that comforter come with him. But also this, he found out there was protection and he made sure they were protected. 
when you look at a man whose life's been transformed, you see Jesus. That's why George Mueller, Mueller walking down the road one day in, in, I believe it was Houston, Texas, might have been Austin, Texas, walking down the, the street, the sidewalk down beside the road, and, and a woman, and in that day most of the men wore hats, and he tipped his hat because the woman stopped and looked at him. And, and he said, ma'am, I'm sorry, do I know you? And she said, no, you don't know me, but there's something about you reminds me of Jesus. When they looked at David, and it's no wonder we look at David and we say, man, boy, he is a picture of Christ. He's an Old Testament picture of Christ. I wonder sometimes when they look at us, do they see somebody that reminds them of the devil? Or some, they see people that remind them of Jesus. When a person walks away, when they presented their life, they're showing the world what Jesus would do if he was here. They're showing the world what Jesus would be if he was here. Because to be a Christian is to be like Christ. Are y'all with me today? So here's my message. Paul said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And it, it, notice this, what he said in verse number one. It's your reasonable service. That word there, reasonable, means it's required and not too much to ask. After everything that God's done for us, that's what's required. He presented his body a dying sacrifice so that we would present our body a living sacrifice. He don't want you to die. He died for you. He died so you could live. Are y'all with me today? If you ever want to live the life of a Christian that has joy, a Christian that's sold out, a Christian that lives in victory, it's going to start when you leave your seat. I'm talking about church folk that saved, born-again people, brethren. It starts by presenting your body a living sacrifice, taking your hands off of your life. The motivation to do that is we're saved by grace and we have obtained mercy from God. The, the, the presentation is us getting out of our seat and walking down the altar and laying it down and saying, God, I ain't much, but here it is. We know, God, I'm not halting between two opinions. You've made me righteous. You've made me holy. I'm going to present myself, examine my life, get out of my life anything you don't want. Let it be transformed. I don't want to be conformed to the world. I don't want to go alone to get along. I want folks, when they see me, to, I want to stick out like a sore thumb. I want to be Christ incarnate, showing the world what Jesus would be if he is here. Our hands are to be used as if his hands were here. Our heart is to beat with the same things his heart would beat for if he was here. That's what the, that's what the word Christian means. Little Christ. Uh, imposters of Christ. Little, little incarnate Christ. Little um, folks who mimic their life after Christ. When Paul said, it's not too much to ask. It's not unreasonable, and it is required that if you're one of the brethren to present your body, you present it. You have to do it, not the preacher, not the Sunday school teacher, not your mom and daddy, but you've got to do it yourself. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I try my best to deliver the simple thought on my heart tonight. Pray